Hello, and welcome to Champagne and Murder, please. I am your host, Brittany. I am so glad that you're here with me. I have a non-13 Ghosts of the Tower of London story today. I just wanted to mix it up a little bit, throw some stuff in between. Plus, there's a lot of information on Anne Boleyn, and I'm about halfway through it, so we'll get there. Today, we are drinking a La Maraca Prosecco sparkling wine. It's about $15 at Jewel. It's crisp and refreshing. It's perfect on its own, but it goes really well with a mimosa. Just saying, you should try that one out. Um, I hope everyone has stayed cool during the heat wave that just berated us. And like most of the Midwest, and I think most of the United States, I hope everybody stayed cool and stayed safe. My poor AC just had enough and just shut off yesterday. It wasn't broken. It just said, fuck this, I'm done. But we turned it back on. It was all good, if a bit warm in the house. But thankfully today, it'll be less humid and hot, so we won't have to uh, stress out the AC or the power grid, I guess. And I hope, hopefully everyone with kids in school are adjusting to the schedule without many issues. My kids seem to be enjoying it so far, although... The dog is sad. She doesn't have as much attention paid to her during the day from everybody. But the kids make sure they give her love when they get home, though, so it's all good. She still feels loved and makes sure that she loves on everybody else, so she's all good. But anyway, let's get into the story. So today's story is about the Bunny Man of Fairfax Station in Virginia. The legend of Virginia's bunny man might sound like a cute tale of rabbits and whimsy. It's anything but. In reality, the true story of the bunny man is one forged from indecency, mystery, and violence. Long have the tales of the bunny man bridge floated around the towns of northern Virginia, and the stories always change a little in the telling. What we do know, however, is that some urban legends turned out to be true and there really was a man who inspired the rest of this grisly urban legend. And as silly as it sounds, that a man would dress in a bunny costume, he has been a fixture of local legend for at least the last 30 years, and by 1973, this bunny man had been reported in Maryland and the District of Columbia. The infrequent sightings and his widespread appearances usually occurred in secluded areas. He was usually described as a figure dressed in a white bunny suit armed with an axe and was accused of threatening children or vandalizing property. But by the 1980s, the Bunny Man had become an even more sinister character, with several gruesome murders under his belt. He has been reported as far south as Culpeper, Virginia, but this, his main haunt seems to be the area surrounding a railroad overpass near Fairfax Station, Virginia, which was a frequent hangout spot for partygoers. It's now the infamous Bunny Man Bridge. For more than 25 years now, stories of the Bunny Man have been passed around mostly among the teenage population. And like most stories, over the years, it has evolved into a ghost story shared at parties, campouts, and the occasion that tales of this sort are exchanged. It was at one such gathering in 1976 that the story of the Bunny Man was told. The Bunny Man was said to have been responsible for the deaths of two disobedient children from the Clifton area. Other children were rumored to have disappeared, and there was mention of animals found horribly disfigured in the area. Most of the stories take place around the Colchester Overpass, which is a southern railway overpass spanning Colchester Road near Clifton, Virginia. 
Versions of the legend vary in the bunny man's name, motives, weapons, victims, descriptions of the costume or lack thereof, and sometimes even the bunny man's possible death. In some of the accounts, the victim's bodies had been mutilated, and in other variations, the bunny man's ghost is said to come out of its place of death every year on Halloween as if to commemorate his passing. Fairfax County Public Library historian and activist Brian A. Conley did extensive research on the bunny man legend. He has located two incidents of a man in a bunny costume threatening people with an axe. The vandalism reports occurred 10 days apart in 1970 in Burke, Virginia. The constant trickle of Bunny Man questions re-engaged Conley's interest in this story, saying, quote, I got tired of saying, I don't know, end quote. It took nearly a decade's worth of research, but in 2002, he published what is considered the foremost paper on the subject. He discovered that the real story is even more bizarre than the legend. So the first occurrence was reported on the evening of October 19, 1970, by a U.S. Air Force cadet named Robert Bennett and his fiancée. They had been visiting relatives on Guinea Road in Burke. They were returning from a football game around midnight, and they reportedly parked their car in a field located on Guinea Road to, quote, visit an uncle who lived across the street from where the car was parked, end quote. With the motor running, they sat in the front seats when they noticed something moving outside the rear window. And moments later, the front passenger window was smashed in, and there was a white-clad figure standing just outside the window. Bennett put the car in drive and turned around while the white-clad figure yelled at them about trespassing, including, quote, you're on private property and I have your tag number, end quote. As they were driving away, they noticed that there was an axe on the floor of the passenger side of the car. Now, that would freak me out just a little bit. When the police asked the couple for a description of the man, Bennett insisted the man was wearing a white suit with long bunny ears. However, Bennett's fiancé said that the assailant did not have bunny ears on his head, but he was wearing a white capriote, or capriote of some sort, and that's a Catholic pointed hat of conical form that's used in Spain and Hispanic countries by members of a confraternity of penitents. Think... KKK pointed hat, essentially. They could both remember seeing his face clearly, but with it being so dark, they couldn't determine his race. The police gave Bennett the axe after they examined it. Why? Nobody really knows. Now, the second reported sighting happened the evening of October 29, 1970, when a construction security guard named Paul Phillips went up to a man standing on the porch of an unfinished home in Kings Park West, also on Guinea Road. Phillips says the man was wearing a gray, black, and white bunny costume and looked to be about 20 years old, standing about 5 foot 8, and looked to weigh about 175 pounds. The man began chopping at a post on the porch with a long-handled axe and kept saying, quote, you are trespassing. If you come any closer, I'll chop off your head, end quote. I'd be like, yeah, thanks, bud. You're good. See you later. So police opened investigations for both of the incidents, but both would eventually be closed due to lack of evidence. But in the weeks following these incidents, there were more than 50 people who contacted the police and claimed to have seen the bunny man. Even several newspapers, including the Washington Post, reported the bunny man had eaten one man's runaway cat. And they had like four other, ouch, sorry, articles that had mentioned the bunny man or something about a bunny man after that. But in 1973, Patricia Johnson, who was a student at the University of Maryland, 
submitted a research paper that had chronicled 54 variations on the two incidents, many of which maintain the basic plot in some shape or form, but they all vary in details like the location and specific events. In a handful of the variations mentioned the bunny man committing murders, a detail that is with odds with the two documented sightings. Conley cites this as evidence of how the original story had evolved through various retellings, and that the story would be taken to new heights during the early days of the interwebs. Conley went on to state that the most widely circulated version of the Bunny Man story was posted to the website Castle of Spirits in 1999. In this version, user, quote, Timothy J. Forbes, end quote, claimed that the Bunny Man was, in fact, a convict named Douglas J. Griffin who had escaped from custody while being transported to a new facility in 1904. The story then proceeds to chronicle a series of grisly, almost supernatural murders committed at Bunnyman Bridge, most of which occurred decades before the official documented sightings. And also, according to Conley, quote, all of the specifics given in the Forbes version are false, end quote. Not only did the murders never happen, but the key institutions mentioned, like the Old Clifton Library, which was allegedly the source of the author's information, never existed in the first place. So, real quickly, Colchester Overpass was built about 1906 near the site of Sangster's Station, which was a Civil War-era railroad station on what used to be the Orange and Alexandria Railroad. Due to its association with the legend, the overpass is a popular destination for paranormal enthusiasts and curiosity seekers. Interest in the overpass normally increases around Halloween, go figure, and starting in 2003, the local authorities began to control access to the area around Halloween time. And during Halloween 2011, over 200 people, some as far away as the Pennsylvania-Maryland state line, had been turned away during a 14-hour traffic checkpoint into the area. As is often the case with urban legends, there is the story, and then there is the truth. That is what makes the story of the Bunny Man so eerie, and bizarre, and downright creepy. Through the variations of the story that are spread far and wide across the furthest reaches of the internet, the true story of the Bunny Man may actually be even weirder. Quote, a creepy guy on Halloween dressed oddly, throwing hatchets at people. It's just too bizarre to possibly be true, says Conley, but it is, end quote. The story has been told and retold for decades, but it follows these lines. In the early 20th century, deep in the woods that divide the town of Clifton from Fairfax Station, there was an asylum for the insane. At some point, the asylum closed down and its residents were piled into a bus bound for Lorton Prison. But on the way there, the bus swerved and crashed. Many of the convicts escaped, but all were caught except for one, a Mr. Douglas Griffin. While they searched for him, investigators found a trail of half-eaten, gutted bunnies, with many hanging from what was then called Fairfax Station Bridge. Police searched for months, but they never found Griffin. But then, on Halloween night, several teens were hanging out under the bridge. At the stroke of midnight, they had been attacked. The next morning, the teens were found hanging from the bridge, gutted, just like the bunnies. To this very day, it's said that if you are at Bunnyman Bridge, at midnight, on Halloween, you too will meet the same fate as those teens and all those helpless bunnies. Quote, it's a hell of a good piece of creative writing, end quote, Conley says about this version of the story. 
Another rendition of the story is at the stroke of midnight on Halloween, a killer in a white rabbit suit awaits. Lore has it, if you speak his name three times, he'll appear. Bunny man. Bunny man. Bunny man. But don't expect to survive. He'll slash your throat and leave your body dangling from the bridge. But in yet another rendition, the spirit of an escaped mental patient haunts the railroad bridge. He escaped hellbent on avenging the murders of his wife and child who were slain nearby. Living in the woods near the bridge, he killed and ate rabbits wearing their skins and leaving their mutilated bodies hanging in the trees. One Halloween night, taunted by some town children, he killed and mutilated them too, hanging their corpses from the trees around the bridge. In another spin on the same theme, he's the ghost of an escaped, of a, an escaped long-closed nearby asylum. Dressed in a rabbit suit, he throws axes, or chainsaws or hatchets, at the cars of young couples who park by the bridge late at night. The tales arguably bring commerce to the town of Clifton, tucked away in the woods between Manassas and Fairfax Station. Pre-pandemic, thousands came to thrill at the Clifton Haunted Trail, which on its website features a creepy illustration of a man in a bunny suit. Conley continued to dig. He was able to track down the police and investigation reports that confirmed that the Fairfax County Police did look for a male in his late teens, early 20s, dressed as a bunny, but they were unable to turn up anything conclusive, writing, quote, after a very extensive investigation into this and all other cases of the same nature, it is still unsubstantiated as to whether or not there really is a white rabbit, end quote. The police deemed the case inactive. Ask Alice, she knows where the white rabbit is. However, Conley was able to track down the couple that had had the axe thrown into their car window. They didn't really want to talk about the incident, but they did confirm it had actually happened. They were able to share the vivid details. Conley says, as did the aunt who had helped them after the incident, quote, she remembered very clearly combing glass from the shattered window out of the girl's hair, end quote. To this day, no one knows who the bunny man was or what his motivation was. Conley knows that any theory that he has is purely speculation. But he does think it could be related to an elderly man, a, quote, curmudgeon, Conley says, who owned the property that the couple was supposedly trespassing on. However, the old man had died a year or two prior to the incident, so maybe it was a younger family member who took up the cause for him? Or maybe it was someone who just wasn't too happy with the development in the area going on at the time. And if the bunny man was in his early 20s in 1970, then he likely is still alive today. Quote, unless he got careless with his hatchet, end quote, jokes Conley. As of this recording, no one has come forward and admitted to being the bunny man. And today, the legend of the bunny man has taken over the actual truth. There wasn't a murder and no asylum for the insane. Conley thinks the Fairfax Station Bridge, which even Google Maps deems as the Bunny Man Bridge, was nothing more than a local teen hangout and creepy-looking, potentially dangerous, and that's how it got enveloped into the story. The town of Clifton has fully embraced the legend of Bunny Man with t-shirts and a haunted Halloween attraction. While the legend is horrific, frightening, and blood-curdling, the truth is just as bizarre. Conley says, quote, if there was ever a story that was really ripe to grow and get a little bit strange, it has to be the bunny man. It's our homegrown urban legend, end quote. Nevertheless, Bunny Man Bridge has captured the public's imagination. 
especially after it was featured on Season 2, Episode 1 of Fox Family's Scariest Places on Earth in 2001. The legend was even adapted into an indie horror film in 2011. There are many podcasts with episodes about the Bunny Man and Bunny Man Bridge as well. In the 2017 Amazon original series lore, based on the podcast with the same name, it uses the Bunny Man legend to introduce the second episode of Season 1. In the Chris Gethard Show episode, Let's Get Scared, host Chris Gethard dresses as the Bunny Man for a full episode. On October 9th, 2020, Adult Swim broadcast the story of the Bunny Man as a bump during an episode of Family Guy. Now, there were a couple grisly murders around, like, the area and around the time, but they were all deemed to be not of the Bunny Man. Like, there was the story of a man who was estranged from his wife and daughter, and he took a drive with his wife to see a new lodge built at the nudist colony he was staying at. Um, and on the way back, they got stuck in the mud, and the wife and child decided to walk, and he went to go find help, apparently. And then she just kind of disappeared. So his brother-in-law came to help him search for her the next day, and they couldn't find her, couldn't find her, and the police came, and one detective, like, as they were getting ready to call it quits for the night, noticed that the ground was a little squishy where he was standing, like, squishier than the rest. So he decided to dig. Well, he dug up the wife's body and the baby girl's body, and the baby girl was, like, eight months old. And so the wife had been shot in the head and in the chest, um, and then buried, and then the baby girl had been buried alive. And that's one of the ones that was linked to Bunny Man, but they determined Chris Con or Brian Connolly found out that that obviously wasn't true. So, and then there was two other stories like that that people had associated with the Bunny Man murdering them, but there was absolutely no evidence. So, but the husband did go to jail. He was sentenced to death penalty but then he appealed and he wasn't killed by the state he just went to prison but there you have it there's the bunny man i hope you guys enjoyed it hey guys i just wanted to pop in and say lately i have been back on my workout routine and let me tell you liquid iv has been there for me before during and after my workout sessions in just one stick you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. I've been using it before my workouts and I feel so much better during them. It's amazing. So you can use it first thing in the morning or before you work out like I do, or when you feel run down or how about after a long night out with friends? Everybody knows you're going to need it then. Liquid IV hydrates two times faster than water alone with three times the electrolytes. Electrolytes is what blankets crave of traditional sports drinks. John and I have used Liquid IV after long hot days outside with the kiddos and even after nights out with our friends. We love Liquid IV for how well it works and how fast we feel rehydrated. My favorite flavor is the strawberry lemonade and John loves the watermelon one. I also love that it's made with premium ingredients and it's non-GMO, free of gluten, dairy, and soy. And Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. You can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code CAMP, that's C-A-M-P, at checkout. 
That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code CAMP, C-A-M-P, at liquidiv.com. Ready to shop Better Hydration? Use my special link, which is please to save 20% off anything you order. And stay hydrated, y'all. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Champagne and Murder, Please. We really do appreciate each and every one of you. Never going to not say it. I hope you guys have a great weekend. I hope you have a great week next week until I talk to you again. Um, Stay cool out there. And moms with kids in school, keep your heads. It's going to be all right. It's going to work itself out. And I hope that you all are good to each other. And remember, stay safe. And don't take candy from strangers. Goodbye.